Tappers, what's up? It is another edition of the Daily Tap. How is everybody doing? It is Thursday, March 18th, and we have a lot of Bucks stuff to talk about. We are going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks major victory over the Philadelphia 76ers, why that game matters. We will also break down the surprising P.J. Tucker trade. And then we'll wrap up the show with why you just have to hold your horses with the Packer free agency stuff. All right, but let's start with the Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks had a great victory tonight. You might have listened to me on the podcast yesterday where I said it was a no-win situation for the Bucks. No matter what happened in this game, the Bucks would be looked at as well. They didn't have Joel Embiid, which we heard a lot of after the game. A lot of chirps, a lot of people getting kind of in our ear about the Bucks beating the Sixers without Joel Embiid. But the Bucks did something that I think I wasn't accounting for. I wasn't accounting for the Milwaukee Bucks to be down 17 points at one point in the first half and come all the way back to beat the Sixers and they took it to overtime where the Sixers had all the momentum heading into overtime. That was the crazy thing, right? The Sixers, the Bucks, I thought put them away. Like I tweeted out, like Drew says good night. Like they were up seven points with I think 50 seconds left. And I thought, I thought this game's over. Like I thought I was like, all right, wrap it up. Let's go home. It's a great, it's an awesome victory for the Bucks. Then the Sixers go on a 9-2 run to finish off the regulation. And so I'm like, wow, they have all the momentum, not looking good. The Bucks come right back. Giannis has seven straight points, which was just an incredible sequence where he drives past Ben Simmons. He hits a three in Ben Simmons' eye. And then he crosses over Dwight Howard and takes a seat on the court. Much to the ire of Philadelphia Sixers fans, who were not too happy after the game. Also, the Sixers players, Dwight Howard, said he wanted to stone cold stun him. As always, Dwight Howard is about as much of a shadow gangster as anyone in the fucking league right now. So, Dwight Howard should just keep running his mouth if he wants to get dunked on by Giannis on a repeated basis. The Bucks had a great victory tonight. Maybe they didn't play the best. But they figured it out, and again, they win another close game. I keep telling you guys this, and I said it in the review today, and I no one's watched the review, by the way. Go to Instagram, SnowTapWI, hit a like there. I posted a lot of shit today, so I feel like Instagram's like, dude, you got to chill out. But anyways, uh, this is different, right? This is not the same thing we've seen the last few years for the Bucks. You have to admit that to yourself a little bit. You have to look in inside and say, all right, this is not the Bucks team I've watched the last couple of years because it just feels different. You just have this different feel about this team. You A, never think they're out of it, at least recently. I should say that this has been the last, things have changed since that five-game losing streak, since Drew Holiday's come back. Really, since that New Orleans game back in, what was that, late February, everything has sort of changed. The tide has shifted. So since that game, you feel like, A, the Bucs are going to win every game. And they almost have. They're 11 of their last 12. And on top of that, they're going to win every close game. 
and that they have been in dogfight after dogfight, and they've come out ahead. They've won what? How many clutch games have they won in a row? They have not lost a close game. The only game they lost was that one to Denver. And every time it looks like maybe the Bucks will lose, they find a way to close out. You know, Drew Holiday hit two huge shots down the stretch. It wasn't just Giannis, right? And there were other contributors, like Dante DiVincenzo, terrible play late game, which we can talk a little bit about the late game stuff. We'll go to Negative Town for a second, but we won't go there just yet. Dante played really well in this game. Dante was a huge reason why the Bucks came back. Pat Connaughton also deserves some of that credit. So does Brooke Lopez. All those guys played really well in the third quarter. This was a team effort win and a win that you have to admit is a little bit different. That it's not necessarily to say that the Bucks of last year or the year prior wouldn't have won this game. They might have. But it's more to say that this team just does not get phased. They are not phased by these late game situations. They get themselves in it and it doesn't even matter. They are ready to rock. They are saying to themselves, all right, we're, we're, we're okay. We're, we're good. Go okay. 9-2 run. We're going to overtime. It doesn't matter. We're going to keep playing basketball. And that it ha- that's such a good feeling as a Bucks fan. That this team is really dialed in. And Giannis, I mean, what more can you say right now? Giannis has been in his bag for the last few months. And just to watch the Giannis takeover has been incredible. I mean, that overtime stretch, and like the Clippers game a few weeks ago, like that is something we have not seen out onto the Kumbo. Where he's just like, all right, fuck this, I'm taking over. And then the sit-down, unbelievable. And and he's just feeling himself. And they asked him after a game about it. And he's like, I just want to have fun out there. I think Giannis is playing so loose. And let's remember, and, and it, it's kind of hard. And I think we don't always want to remember the scar tissue because there were a lot of pain with the Bucks over the last few years. But remember how uptight and rigid Giannis was and how... Giannis just would always seem to take everything so serious and that ever it was almost life or death every basketball game. Remember the stories, I think it was in Sports Illustrated, about how Giannis would go to the Cousin Center after a loss and start working on his free throws and start doing drills and things like that. And it probably got him to where he needed to be. But for Giannis to take the next step, he needed to kind of take a step back in a weird way. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but if you think about it, he just needed to kind of let go a little bit. He needed to smile a little bit more often. He needed to just have fucking fun. And that's what he's doing out there. In a lot of ways, it's Brett Favre-esque where he just looks like a kid out there. The the sitting down on the court, the arms open with the three-pointer, the just talking back and forth to Dwight Howard at throughout the game. Giannis is enjoying this more than any other season. And so because of that, I think that all transitions to the playoffs. It all does. And, and, and I know we're banging this drum. I know this has kind of been the theme of the Bucks segments on this podcast has been, look, 
Every close game is so important for what the Bucks are going to do down the stretch. And it is going to be a fight to the finish line for the one seed, whether it's Brooklyn, Philly, or Milwaukee. Milwaukee now one and a half games back of the Sixers. Brooklyn, who won tonight, I believe goes into that one spot now. Um, so it's going to be a race. And these three teams are so good. And it is, it's it's going to be really fun to watch them all play each other as the season goes on. And the Bucks get a lot of opportunities. The Bucks have an ample opportunity here because they play the Sixers, I think, two more times. They play Brooklyn two more times. They have it all in front of them to sort of overtake the Eastern Conference because of head-to-head matchups. And they can do it. I don't think I've seen one team recently where I think the Bucks can't be stopped by them. This was a big measuring stick, even without Embiid. And the Bucks basically showed what we've seen the last few weeks. This is not smoke and mirrors at all, folks. This is real stuff. And it is time to get excited. And it's time to start thinking about this Bucks team a little bit differently. Because they are not your, I guess, your older brother's Bucks. I don't even know if it's older brother's Bucks, right? It's not the Bucks you, you've known the last couple of years. This is a new Bucks team. And this is why that game mattered so much. And it wasn't just about the fact Embiid wasn't there. A few other things before we move on to P.J. Tucker. Yes, Dante DiVincenzo, I know he's gambles. I know that's kind of his game. It works so often, but you got to work with him if you're Mike Boonholz or on late game situations and just tell Dante, like, hey, look, I know your instinct tells you to try to steal this basketball, but all we need you to do is play hard defense. If anything... You can try to poke the ball away from court bonds there. And if you do, or any, or if you commit a foul, like you, you have too much body there, that's okay right in this situation. We're up three. We can take a foul. I believe Milwaukee actually had a foul to give. So Dante can also be aggressive and try to go for the steal, but not have these like cornerback gambles that you see from him because it, that gamble made it overtime. And if it's not for that gamble, the Bucks maybe don't even have to go to go to overtime. They don't have to go to the extra period. But instead, they did because of the Dante overplay. That that just can't happen. That can't happen. He's still a young guy. He's still learning, but there are all the there are just the occasional brain farts with him at the wrong time. And I, I don't know how I feel about him as a, in the closing lineup. And we'll talk about P.J. Tucker here um, very shortly. So I, I don't know. I don't know if Dante is going to have that role. Uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. I thought I had something else negative-wise. I guess the first half was just a mess. That would, that would be my only other, only other thing is that, yeah, they turned the ball over a bunch they couldn't score. It looked like there was a lid on the basket. Um, it was good to see that the Bucks figured it out in the second half. And they should be really proud tonight. They should be going home beaming. I know San Antonio's up next on, on Saturday. They're not going to be an easy opponent. But Milwaukee is in a really good spot right now. And even though we thought there's no way this game's going to matter as much as like an Embiid 
Sixers game, it does. And it really is important. And yeah, they add, the Bucks added a little fuel to the Sixer-Bucks rivalry. But it's it's one of the best going in the NBA right now. It's must-see TV every time these guys play. And tonight was no different. Right before the game, though, the Milwaukee Bucks made a deal for P.J. Tucker, uh, sending him to, or well, obviously, the Bucks. Right before the game, though, the Bucks made a deal for P.J. Tucker of the Houston Rockets. The Rockets will be receiving D.J. Augustine and D.J. Wilson. Um, they also will be doing some funky stuff with picks that basically help the Bucks get under the tax and make some financial moves to potentially get a buyout guy. They also sent Tory Craig to Phoenix. I don't believe there is anything. There has to be something in return. You can, I don't think you can just send a guy without getting something in return, whether it's cash considerations. Um, but I have not seen uh, come through what the what Phoenix is, or the Bucks are getting back, or if it's just a three-team deal and Houston gets that and Phoenix gets Tory Craig. Pretty savvy deal for Phoenix to just get Torrey Craig for absolutely nothing. I, I really like Torrey Craig. I don't really understand why he didn't fit into Bud's system. Um, that just, it obviously didn't work out, and that's a bummer. But we're not here to talk about Torrey Craig. We're here to talk about the newest buck, P.J. Tucker. Uh, P.J. is a guy who's kind of been an enigma the last few weeks. He was one of the quote-unquote hottest names in the trade deadline, and Tucker he's he's had a kind of a off year like he's shot 31 percent. it was interesting to hear bill simmons and jackie mcmullen talk i think last week or two weeks ago when simmons asked about tucker uh, mcmullen replied and she's pretty plugged in she said really half the league thinks he's just needs a new new start like he needs to be rejuvenated half of the league thinks he's washed up thinks it's over for him and i guess we're going to know pretty quickly um, and John Horst, while has made moves and it's been admirable for the Bucks GM, they haven't really worked out during the season. I, I don't really mean to be a, a turd in the punch bowl here. I promise you I'm not. It's more just Nikola Mirotich was not the guy. Um, Marvin Williams had a couple moments but really wasn't as impactful as I think some Bucks fans hoped that he would be last season. So now you have Tucker, who maybe he doesn't do what you need on offense. But if if Tucker can be an awesome defender, and Tucker can kind of have this small ball Bucks lineup that features the likes of Drew Holiday, Dante DiVincenzo, or Pat Connaughton for that matter, Chris Middleton, PJ Tucker, Giannis Antetokounmpo, that's that's really good, and that's going to be really tough to beat in a late game situation and even if Tucker's not doing it offensively maybe he can be that defensive guy he does add an edge he gives the Bucks even more of an edge now I think this Bucks team has become a little nastier than they've been in years past I think the label of them being soft I don't know exists anymore um, I just don't I, I think the Bucks have done enough to kind of shed that a little bit and Tucker is going to only help that. Tucker is going to add some beef. He's going to add some attitude. And that is always needed. And that's a guy that I think could really, you know, work off. Of. Giannis could really learn a lot from him. And Tucker's going to get a lot of open shots in the corner. That's just how it's going to go. Like in a, with Giannis, 
with the way the Bucks run their system, Tucker is going to have so many opportunities to make corner threes, which is what his specialty had been in the past. So if you can get anywhere from 8 to 12 points from Tucker, plus some tough-nosed defense, plus a little frustrated on the offensive end, that's all we ask. Look, I've liked P.J. Tucker for a long time, and I thought P.J. Tucker was great for Toronto. I thought he was really good for Houston, and I've talked about wanting P.J. Tucker on the Bucks. I was a little bit mixed. Mitch kind of sold me on it earlier this week. We talked about P.J. Tucker, actually, on the podcast, I think, yeah, on Monday. Was it Monday's show we did, or is it last week? It, regardless, I think it was Monday. And Mitch sold me on the idea that Tucker could really be a beneficial player for Milwaukee. Now, what does this mean for the rest of the Bucks? Well, hopefully it doesn't mean Bobby Portis is going to lose minutes because I don't think he deserves that. I think Bobby Portis is playing really well. I do think that the reemergence of Brooke Lopez has led to less Bobby Portis. Um, because Lopez looks like a totally different guy. Uh, Brian Sampson from uh, Bucks Film Room said that they should really be thinking about load managing Brook Lopez closer to playoffs as how good he's been after five days off. I 100% co-sign that decision. I think Lopez will need more time off than some of the others on the team. Probably means not much from Thanasis onto the Kumbo. Um, that that's probably where a lot of some of those minutes are getting going to get slashed. Pat Connington's probably going to take some step back from a minutes perspective. Remember, he was playing like 30 minutes a game. So I think those are the kind of things you might see. As for the two roster spots, well, it's probably going to be a short roster until after March 25th, until after sort of that buyout. So the Bucks are going to have to ride out a smaller team, you might have to see a little bit more. Maybe you see Diacate, or maybe you see uh, a little Jordan Nora or a Sam Merrill action for at least a couple games before the Bucks, you know, can kind of look at that buyout market. So, how many will they play? They'll play the Spurs on Saturday, and then they have a couple more probably right after that. Then they have Indiana before two against Boston. Yeah, actually, of course, the Bucks have this, uh, you know, smaller roster, and they have four games on their schedule next week with Indiana, Boston twice, and then a back-to-back against the New York Knicks before heading out to the West Coast and the road trip from hell, which I'm sure Mitch and I will talk about as the week goes on next week, because that is not going to be easy for the Milwaukee Bucks. But as for the two roster spots, you know, there are a lot of names, right? There are a lot of buyout names. I don't know if the Bucks can afford two buyout guys. Um, maybe it's something where they bring someone else in on a trade and get get another kind of talented, whether it be a wing, whether it be a point guard. Right now, they need a backup point guard. The obvious answer would be George Hill. But did George Hill sort of burn a bridge? Remember, George Hill... I, I don't I don't want to go as far to say like conspiracy theory because that makes it make George Hill sound bad from all accounts he's a good dude but George Hill kind of wondered out loud to a ESPN reporter if the fact that George or uh, Hill supported the Black Lives Matter movement led the walkout everything like that if the Bucks used that against him and did not want this kind of noise this season 
I don't think that was the case. I just think they needed assets to trade for Drew Holiday. So I don't know if Hill would come back. I, he's a weird dude, right? So I don't know if he would come back to the Bucks or he would try something else. Obviously, getting George Hill back, atoning for that mistake, I'm okay with that. Um, Otto Porter Jr., I, I, I like Otto Porter Jr. I actually liked him out of college in Georgetown. Like, I think Otto Porter Jr. has a decent game. I I just don't know where he fits with the Bucks. Is he is he a guy that then takes up the Bobby Portis minutes, right? I don't know if you need that. You really need to look at a guard, point guard, and it doesn't seem like there are a lot that are available. I could get down with an Austin Rivers if you could figure out a way to trade for Austin. I don't know what's left. I think at this point, it's like Sam Merrill and Jordan Nora, which would suck because I think both are very talented. But if that's what's going to take to get done to build that championship roster, go ahead. And maybe the Bucks can survive without a backup point guard. Maybe they think with Holiday that Chris Middleton can do more point guard stuff. Maybe he becomes your backup point guard. Maybe Bryn Forbes. It, ah, man, I don't know. I don't feel great about that, that comment. But maybe Bryn Forbes is your point guard for a little bit of it. I, they're going to have to figure that part out. And so that that's the one thing I'm very curious about. And we'll see. Maybe the Bucks aren't done. Maybe the Bucks have another move left in them. Whether it's for a guy like Rivers or for somebody else that we haven't thought about. But all in all, really good shit from John Horse. This was a very solid move. I saw one person, No Tech Ben, who, bless his heart, he always thinks the owners are the cheapest sons of bitches in the world. And it's like, you can't look at what's there for you. That's like uh, my guy, Eric, who was bitching about the Aaron Jones contract. Not necessarily bitching about the the contract, but saying like, well, if this is what kind of contracts the Packers are giving, no wonder nobody signs with this team. I was like, oh man, can't we just be happy? Like sports fans, because of Twitter, I swear, cannot just be happy every now and again. So I know I was going to talk about Packer free agents, but since Aaron Jones' contract, let's actually mention that a little bit too. Aaron Jones' contract is one of my favorite things of 2021 thus far. Russ Ball is a fucking magician yet again. Aaron Jones only making a million dollars this year. He is then making nine, I think eight and a half against the cap next year. The Packers can get out of it after that. And the guaranteed money is spread out through all four years. So that's $13 million. I'm not a math major. So that will be about a little over $3 million per. So in essentially, Jones will make about four this year. He'll make about 12 next year. And then the Packers can get out with only about $7 million of dead cap that you'd have to assess to Aaron Jones. It is as player f- or as team friendly of a deal as I have seen. And I realize that a lot of these contracts are two year deals. And some of it's done for the benefit of the player. Don't get me wrong. I know that agents and players might push back on that, but there's going to be so much fucking money to be thrown around in two years. It's going to make your head spin. The overpays are going to be so fucking rich and they're going to happen in a fury. And right now, no one has any money. So that's why New England's just signing everybody and their mother and completely retooling their roster and doing something that I think none of us expected and caught, I would think, a lot of us off guard. 
So for the Packers to get Aaron Jones' deal, it's great. And it opens up maybe some opportunities for other free agents. Now, you're starting to hear fans get a little bit testy about the fact the Packers haven't signed anybody. We are literally day one of free agency. Now, I know the last two days the tampering period was open, but it's literally the first day of free agency. Settle the fuck down. It's okay. It really is. It is really okay that the Packers have not signed a free agent. Are there guys that I've looked at and said, yeah, it might be a good option? Sure. Um, But I'm not necessarily like being like, wow, what are the Packers doing? If we were running a Colts podcast and the Colts have $40 million in cap to spend and they weren't spending it at all, I think I'd be knocking down the doors. And you can say, Charlie, there have been situations where the Packers had that much cap and they didn't do anything with it. True. But remember, Brian Gunacus made four huge moves right out of the gate in 2018. And it was similar to the Patriots where he realized that Ted Thompson's draft and develop had hit a wall and that they needed a boost on that defense. And they go get the Smith brothers. They go get Adrian Amos. It was as awesome of a day as you had as a Packer off-season viewer. So because of that, it, Packer fans, I feel like we're expecting this would be an every year thing. Well, caps change, requirements change. I mean, I saw Matt Schneidman comment to a, a Packer fan today, like if David Bakhtiari, David Bakhtiari doesn't have a freak injury in practice, the Packers are in the Super Bowl. He's he's probably right. You know, the big problem with Tampa was the fact that the Packers couldn't stop that pass rush. It was the only time where Bakhtiari's absence was truly felt out there. So to say like they might not need the help, it's kind of accurate. They have a really good roster right now. They need to upgrade a corner. Yeah, sure. But the corner market isn't exactly moving. Jalen Mills didn't really excite me that much. He went to New England. William Jackson, way too expensive for what the Packers are trying to do. Patrick Peterson has been washed among wash. I said, if you're going to make Patrick Peterson a safety, maybe I can get down with it. Raven Green unrestricted. So you did have that position potentially open, but they, instead they decide to you know not sign Peterson. He goes to the Vikings and we'll see how he does in Minnesota um, because it's Mike Zimmer's scheme. I That's just very Mike Zimmer-esque to get a guy like that. But He's been kind of washed for the last couple of years. And it might be like a Jordy Nelson to the Raiders signing for the Vikings. So I'm not necessarily concerned that the Packers have not signed anybody. And if you are, I would just recommend take it easy. And just understand that we have a long, long way to go. We're still, what, six weeks? A little bit away from the NFL draft? We got we got some time, all right? All right, that does it for our show. I was going to do some tournament stuff. I might do a little bit of a gambling hour uh, for the tournament uh, for Friday. I do realize that if I do that, I got to try to make sure it gets out a little bit early. Um, Maybe talk through how to gamble on the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's good. Look at me. I'm working out show ideas at the end of a podcast. That's that's the American dream right there. So, uh, well, let's do that. We'll do how to gamble on the NCAA tournament, what you should do, what you should watch out for, 
um, which you can kind of pay attention to um, and help you make some money and, and see if that can work out well for you. All right. Take care, Tappers. Have yourself a awesome Thursday. Back tomorrow. See you. Bye.